kind of gives you a new iOS, right? Like a new yeah. operating system for yourself because the one that you're currently using, it got you to where you are now and that's amazing. And sometimes it's just more comfortable to stay with what you know. Um, but if you want something different or if you know that this is not sustainable long-term or if this is not why you created the business to, to begin with, you might even be feeling resentful of certain things inside the company because you're like, I don't even do you know, the thing that I love to do anymore. I don't get to do as much of it anymore. I'm doing all of these other things. Then this is something you want to be thinking about in terms of how do I create a new operating system for myself so that I can have the ideal that like the reason I started my business. Welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast, a show about creative female entrepreneurs and the businesses they built. I'm your host, Naomi Ndudu, the Lifestyle Edit founder, business strategist, and coach to creative female founders ready to scale their businesses with intention. Each week, I sit down with a guest to pull back the curtain on the strategies successful entrepreneurs are implementing to scale their income and increase their impact. We are cutting out the fluff to give you weekly insights to uplevel your mindset and tap into your infinite potential to create a life and business you love on your own terms. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. Adrienne, welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat all things clockwork and anything else you want to talk about. <laughs> I am so pleased you're here. It's funny. I love it because so much of being able to do this podcast, I get to ask a lot of questions selfishly oh, that I, I really want to hear the answer to also, especially for me. I feel like we're at similar stages. For anyone who doesn't know Adrienne, she's about to have a baby. I just had my baby this summer. So the whole idea of clockworking and the work that you do has just been so pertinent to the stage of life yeah. that I'm in. So I'm so excited to dive into that. But just for people who are unfamiliar with you and your story, can you kind of give us the background? What's kind of been the journey that's led up to you doing the work that you do today? Yeah, so my background is from the corporate world. So I was in corporate um, after grad school and, and doing operational efficiency for uh, a large uh, manufacturing company. And so I was working in that corporate setting, trying to figure out how do we make our organization and the, and the projects that we implement and the processes that we do on a daily basis, how do we make them even more efficient so that we can be creating cost savings for the company be, you know, increasing our profitability and, and, you know, using our resources as best as we possibly can. So that was my role in the corporate world. And I just knew, you know, there was a certain point where I just felt like my values weren't aligned anymore with the corporation and what I was doing there. And I never, I would always call myself like an accidental entrepreneur because I never really intended to start my own business. I always thought I would be at a company for a very long time and end up being, you know, VP, CEO. I, I didn't see that being far off for me. Hmm. Um, so when that started to happen, I just started to do some consulting on the side. I was just exploring like, well, what do I want to do? Like what, what can I make my next steps? So I started doing some coaching consulting on the side, but using the same principles of operational efficiency, but for small businesses. And I was started just doing that for free, seeing if anyone would take me up on it, <laughs> seeing if I even liked it, which was a big part of it. Um, Cause I can be a, you know, a romantic in my head. I can romanticize things. And then when, 
you know, when they're... Oh, God, can't, don't be ill. <laughs> can't we all, right? Like, oh, it sounds really great in theory, but in practice, is it really what I want to do? And so I really wanted to test that. So I did that for about six months on the side of my corporate job. And then I was able to, you know, kind of take the leap. And, and that was about six years ago. I started my own consulting business and was doing operational efficiency, but for small business owners now, because I really think that um, our resources in the big business world and corporations are important, but even more so in the small business world and small business owners were just so much more agile. They were so much more willing to make changes. They really felt the impacts of those changes. Whereas in the corporate world, you know, I would present a $3 million cost savings and get denied because it wasn't big enough or wasn't something that they wanted to do, or it would take a year to even approve it. And so working mm. with small businesses was really exciting for me because I could see the changes that were happening, not just for that CEO, but also for their family and the ripple effects that that created just by being more efficient. So that, you know, I was running my own business for a number of years. And then uh, Mike McCallowitz, who's my business partner, and he's the author of, of Clockwork, as well as a number of other business books, most famously Profit First, if people know that book. Um, and so he was writing, he was in the process of writing clockwork and it was all about operational efficiency. And he was looking for someone who was an expert on lean six Sigma operational efficiency, but was applying it to small businesses. And we got introduced because that was exactly what I was doing. That was my exact expertise. And from there, he kind of interviewed me a number of times and then asked me if I wanted to partner and kind of run this company because he was like, I don't really know anything about operational efficiency. <laughs> collect experts and you're the one who created all these frameworks. So do you want to run the, run the company? Because he knew that people would want more support after the book, which is exactly what I do now, which with our company is called Run Like Clockwork. So if you read the book, Clockwork, it gives us you know, we, we kind of give our exact process and framework for how to design a business that can run itself. But for people that are looking for more support, who know that they need that accountability, who know they want more personal feedback than a book can provide, we do that inside of our Run Like Clockwork company. And, and Mike and I run that company, but I am more of the day-to-day -day, uh, running of that, whereas he is off writing the next book. And that's kind of how our relationship and company is built. It you've created something that is so needed, and I think I, I'm speaking for a lot of the women that will be listening to this. Is that many of us started our business because we were either doing what we now offer as a product or service in our corporate jobs, or mm -hmm. we always saw a need, but the the focus was always on the product or service. We then launched the business, and then we're like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> there are so many other things that we yeah. need to know, and then especially. I feel like there's a lot of attention that's made on that early stage where you're picking out your target audience, you're just getting your first clients, but then it starts to peter off when you're at that point where you're at capacity and you're working every hour God sends and you know, you know how to sell, you know how to convert, all of that's kind of there, but then you start to enter new problems that there's not as much discourse on. So I felt like what you guys are offering is really 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 needed especially mm -hmm. for those people that are at that next stage can you just yeah. describe where people typically are when they start to really need to dive into this work 
Yeah. I always tell people like, even if you're just starting your business, still read the book, right? Like, because I think that will give you a good idea of what's to come and how to avoid some of the pitfalls and bottlenecks that maybe someone who, you know, is in your audience or is a little further along is already experiencing those things. And you might be able to avoid them if you read the book and are like at least aware. Sometimes you still can't because you're just so focused on like what the problem is now that it's hard to, you know, prevent future uh, issues, which we often see like in our health system and things like that. But I think that um, if you are someone who is low on time currently, whether that's because you're maxed out on your current product or, you know, delivery of a service and you literally have no more opportunity to grow because you're either the one doing everything or maybe you've brought on a little bit of help, but it feels like it's more work now that you have a team. You're like, oh, I thought this was going to be easier when I got a team. And now I'm spending so much time supporting the team that not freeing me up to actually do the higher level things. So if you're at that capacity point, um, this is definitely something you want to be thinking about. Or if you're just working more than you would ideally like. And I think that, you know, we can romanticize again that like, oh, next week it'll be better or next month it will be better or next year things will slow down. And I've been in that boat. <laughs> I've said those things. And literally my husband was like, but you say that every time. And I'm like, you're right. Right. Like it's never going to change unless we change, you know, our actions and the way that we work and and the system in in which we operate within. And that's exactly what clockwork helps you do is operate kind of gives you a new iOS, right? Like a new system for yourself because the one that you're currently using, it got you to where you are now. And that's amazing. And sometimes it's just more comfortable to stay with what you know, Um, But if you want something different, or if you know that this is not sustainable long-term, or if this is not why you created the business to to begin with, you might even be feeling resentful of certain things inside the company because you're like, I don't even do, you know, the thing that I love to do anymore. I don't get to do as much of it anymore. I'm doing all of these other things. Then this is something you want to be thinking about in terms of how do I create a new operating system for myself so that I can have the ideal that like the reason I started my business to begin with, right? It's usually to create more freedom and to, yes, provide a product or service that we really believe in for a client. And um, you'll be able to provide even more of that if you create that new operating system for yourself because you're currently the bottleneck. So typically this happens when people want to grow more, but they're like maxed out on time and they're, they don't even see the path. They're like, there's no way we could grow any more than this because this is already stretching me. Or when they're growing really fast. So I always say if you're growing and scaling really fast, um, people want to clockwork or they understand the value of clockworking because we can help you continue to deliver with excellence because that's usually the first thing that happens is once you start mm. scaling is you can no longer deliver what you once delivered with the same level of excellence because you're just like trying to keep the, you know, keep things moving and you, you never anticipated how fast the growth would come. So sometimes people are like, you know, you know, they, they got what they've prayed for. They're like, Oh, I always wanted to like, you know, even things like where they get their product on good morning America. Like we've had clients where they got their product on good morning America. And then they literally couldn't handle the amount of customer support and sales that were coming through from that opportunity. Um, And then it can become a brand 
nightmare if, if you're yeah. able to deliver with that excellence. So we just always are mindful of like, if you want to grow and you currently are bottlenecked in doing that, or if you're growing so fast, it's a little bit out of control operationally. Um, we need to get in there and, and make sure that it can continue to sustain with excellence. It's such a tricky one because sometimes you think, where do you begin? Is are we getting the? I always butcher this saying, like the the, the horse before the car or the car yeah, before the, the, car the, horse. the car before the horse. There we go. Um, <laughs> in terms of systems, so I see sometimes people are planning so far in the future that they're not doing first things first, whereas yeah. other people who actually, yeah, that they, they are on that real trajectory. They're so in the, in the day to day that they're not actually future proofing their business. Mm-hmm. How do we figure out when where our priority should be? Yeah, I think it, I think it has to be both, you know, like I don't think that you can just focus on the day to day and expect the vision to move forward to where you want it to go, as well as I think that you can't keep your head in the clouds the whole time and think that as you move towards this rule number 1 that you are even going to get to the vision without the the day-to-day systems that are going to move you there and, and, and give you the action. And I love this quote by James Clear, who wrote um, Atomic Habits. And he says that we do not rise to the level of our goals, but rather we fall to the level of our systems. And I mm. love that because it's so true, right? Like, if you're just setting these, or if you're thinking like, oh, I have these really big goals for 2020 or the next year, like I have all these huge goals that I really want to accomplish. But when you look at your systems, you don't have any, um, then you're not going to be able to rise to that goal. You're going to fall to the level of the system in which you're currently operating within. So I think it's a balance of both. And the thing that we always have our clients do first is understand where their time is even going. So we have this framework called the 4D mix. And that is kind of our data analysis of where the time that you're spending in the business is currently going so that we can identify what do we need to shift? How do we need to move it towards the more ideal? So we're also defining what is the ideal for the business and for your time. So we are thinking about the future. Where does it need to go? But we're not ignoring the present. We're not being naive to that, right? So being really clear and honest with what the present is. Um, and that I always talk about that data that like, and when I talk about our 4D mix, like it's time tracking, it's a time inventory of where your time is going. And that is just as, if not more important than your financial data. Like we talk about financial data a lot as business owners because, oh yeah, I like looked at my revenue and my profit and this and whatever. And like, we think we're, you know, that some people aren't even doing that. So I would say like, <laughs> that's great, right? Like that's great if you are doing that, but It's not the only metric inside your business and it's not the only resource inside your business. And actually you could be making more money and those financials could look even better if we actually looked at where the time was going that contributed to making that money. So we, we have all of our clients do this really in-depth 4D time tracking analysis and, and take a good hard look of like, where is that time going and what systems do we need to start creating first? So it sort of gives us those answers versus us arbitrarily picking something or getting overwhelmed with thinking we have to do everything right at first, right? Because that I think is a big overwhelm piece of clockworking that people get is like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start or I don't have anything systematized. So I'm just going to ignore this and keep going. But it's like one step at a time, like 1% better. We can do that. And this kind of gives us the information we need to identify, well, what's currently on your plate and how can we systematize that and maybe hand it off to someone else or 
you know, we do a lot of radical things like trashing, <laughs> like totally deleting things from your business. Um, 100%. Oh my God. There's so many things that I want to unpack. First things first, I love what you're talking about in terms of vision, because I think we need to have that framework. Why are we doing this business? What does a freedom business actually look like? And for me, the, the, the moment that it, it really started to click for me. I think I was, it was Seth Godin. Yes, it was his mm. startup school podcast. And he was explaining that there's a difference between a job and a business. Very often we think that we have a business, but we're actually having a job. We just, we're just, we're our, our own boss essentially, mm-hmm. which means that if we were to separate from the business, the business stops running. So we're just employed by our business. But a business is where you can go away and the business continues to run on itself. And I think a lot of us understand that intellectually, but actually to have that in practice is completely different. And I was just talking to one of the women in my mastermind and she said something to me that blew my mind. She's like, we've been in such drastic growth now it's actually this year it's just about systems yeah what are the systems that we need to have in place to be operating as a seven-figure business and that has a smooth customer experience very often it's so about growth 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 but we don't realize that as we grow our systems break it's not that we create these systems once and then it's done 100 we have to constantly be up leveling the systems to facilitate the growth um so i love that we're having this conversation because i think having that vision first and foremost is so important because that ends up being the framework and then having the systems kind of support what that looks like in our lives yeah and i always i always tell people that like what we do the filter that we look through is like not of perfection but of continuous improvement like that is my background is like how do we continue to improve processes and systems and and the operation as a whole, which to me is very exciting because it means we're never done. (laughs) But for other people that might be overwhelming of like, because it means we're never done. But I think (laughs) it gives you like a little bit of a permission slip to to know that like, we're not going for perfection. You're not going to get it right and perfect all the time. And, you know, when our clients work with us, we always are very upfront with them as well. We're always looking for their feedback and for their ideas on how we could make things even better. Because I think that, you know, running a company where we teach operational efficiency and improvement, like we're held to a higher standard sometimes. And so I'm very transparent with them of like, things are not going to be perfect, but we're always willing to make it better. And that's always the lens in which we're looking through. Um, But don't look at us as a model of perfection. Look at us as a model of improvement and progress. And we'll always be open to hearing your feedback and will always be open to improving our systems to make your life even easier as a customer. Cause that's my job, you know, like that's why people pay us is for the result. And if we can make them, you know, anything that can make it even easier for them to get that result is my job to, to help them do. But I think that it's really important to, to realize like, number one, what is my vision for our company? Yeah. Um, what is my vision for myself within that company or, or outside of it too, so that you're also thinking about your life as, yeah. it, as it fits into this model um, and, and making sure that you're also communicating that with your team and with anyone that supports you in the business in the future, because we often get frustrated when we start bringing team members on because we're like, why aren't they like five steps ahead of me? And it's like, because you've never told them where you're going, right? Like yeah. they have no idea because you've never 
articulated or communicated the vision to them clearly. So it will be impossible for them to develop the systems. But as you create that team, like the person in your mastermind, like now that they're, you know, at this level, it's not just them creating the systems now, it's the team who's able to support that. And, and that will go even faster and it will be such a gift, you know, to have um, versus you trying to do all of this yourself. And it's like, there are times in your business when maintenance is the goal <laughs> and yeah. that's often overlooked, especially in the online, like internet marketing world. <laughs> you know, people are constantly like growth, 10 X growth, 10 X growth and 10 X growth will break your business yeah. very badly if you're not systematized and set up for it. So everyone wants to like talk about the sexy idea of scaling and growth and 10x growth, but no one besides us now is like really <laughs> talking about this back end of what it really takes to support that and be able to deliver that with excellence and what you need to have and why sometimes you don't want that 10x growth in a single year and why it would be easier to do that you know, a little bit more slowly or make sure that you have the systems in place to support that. And maybe this is a maintenance year, right? And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that if that's how you're mapping your vision. And I think that giving you permission to do that can feel good too, because I think there's constant pressure of like, you know, how did you, did you double this year? Did you triple? Like what, what, how did you grow? And it's like, maybe you didn't need to grow this year because you just needed to maintain so that you could retain. Like we see a lot of retention rates drop when yes. grow really fast and can't deliver what they said they were going to. So that's a worse brand problem for you than just figuring out how, how do we maintain and then build upon that. Oh my God. You're speaking to me. It's so true. We had that. I was consuming a lot of your content, reading the book. And mm -hmm. especially as I was thinking about, you know, now being a mom for the first time, yeah. I did exactly what you said. I was thinking about my vision, you know, how can I continue to give an impact, but in a way that enables me to be a present parent and do the work that I really love to do. So mm -hmm. I really started to transition my business out of being booked solid with one-on-one -on -one to moving yeah. towards a one-to-many but now yeah the systems had to change because where I could have x amount of one-on-ones now running multiple group programs simultaneously right. the logistics about making you know five times the amount of clients feel held and taken care of and having a consistent experience requires just different, the back end different. that's completely yeah. different exactly yeah. um so i love that so i want to go through some of the frameworks that you're starting to map out so okay. first of all you were saying about identifying your core so tracking your time and and so i wonder with within that how are we should how should we be distinguishing the things that we're uniquely positioned to do and the things that we should be trying to either delegate or delete or mm -hmm. automate yeah so the the framework in, in which we talk about this in the book, there's a couple different ones actually. And I think the one that will maybe help you initially the most is understanding like once you do your time tracking. So let's say everyone time tracks and I, I always recommend minimum of five days. They don't need to be consecutive days, but I really want you to think about like every single thing that you're doing during those five days and write it down. We have a spreadsheet that I can give you that you get, can share with your uh, community and, and use that spreadsheet to really write down every single thing that you're doing. And when you go through that, we talk about the ways that you can then shift that time. And there's only a few different ways to move that time from, let's say, one activity 
to another, right? So that's how we can move from where you currently are to something that is more valuable for the organization. But like you said, we have to figure out what, what is that? Like what is the more valuable thing to occupy our time with? Um, and so there's a concept in the book called the three T's, which we have now changed into the four T's <laughs> once we were <laughs> like working with clients. If you've ever written a book or put some content out there, you know that like things change as, as you can. Yeah, you're constantly building. People. Exactly. So the three T's are the ways in which you can actually shift that time. So the first one is trash, right? So you're going to look at every activity and identify is this something our company even needs to do anymore? Because sometimes it's something that's on your plate, but we just haven't thought about it in a while from that perspective, through that lens of like, do we really need this? Like, is this really valuable? Is it important to the growth of the company? Or is it something our customers would pay for if we asked them, right? And if it's not, mm. we really want to question, should we continue doing it? Because, you know, we don't want to keep doing something just because we've always done it. And you're not doing that on purpose, but it can happen out of default just through years of doing something. And that's a hard one to, to wrap your head around as you look at your time tracking, because you're probably very attached to a lot of the things that you're doing, or you think that you need to be doing them. But I would also um, encourage you if there's something that you're questioning, like, can I trash this? Can I not trash it? Um, put a metric to it and, and see like, what, what do I think that this is impacting? Um, and then trash it, do a trial, like trash it for a few weeks. And then if it, if it negatively impacts the metric that you're looking at, then you can always bring it back. But what you'll usually find is that it doesn't and your, you know, intuition was correct on being able to trash it. And now you've freed up some of that time to do something more valuable. And Adrian, is sorry, is is it right in thinking that that could be anything from looking at, for example, marketing efforts and seeing, okay, this one isn't converting for us, mm -hmm. so we don't, we can get rid of that. But I guess also in terms of service offerings and experience, very often I yeah. see with clients that they value that part of the experience, which adds so much more time to them administering it, but the client doesn't actually care about that. <laughs> exactly. So this can go from something very small that's on your activity list of like, um, you know, a meeting that you've had, a 30 minute meeting that you've had since the beginning you started your business that you're like, why do we even still have this meeting? Or this meeting mm. isn't, isn't really that valuable anymore, right? Like we don't even do this anymore, or it's just become monotonous, like um, trash it, right? Like there's no reason to do that. And so going from the small, the, the minutia activities all the way to, we've had people trash entire revenue streams. Like you're yeah. kind of talking about here, the really big ones we've trashed entire revenue streams because we knew that they weren't the best for getting our clients a specific result. We knew that we could get it for them faster in a different capacity. Mm. And sometimes that even means that it's one of your higher producing revenue streams. But if you can't, get them the result that they really need, it's not going to be sustainable. So it's like, actually, I need to, I need to trash this and I need to put our efforts into the program or the products that can actually get them the result that they need. Um, because every time we trash something, whether it's a revenue stream or like you're talking about, I think looking at the features of your products in terms of the deliverables, um, products and programs that you're delivering, making sure that, you know, you really do need each of those features. Because like you said, you might think someone needs it, but just test out like taking it away and see, does it change their results? <laughs> like we've done this so many times with our programs where we test and improve. And we always say like, we always, we reserve the right to improve this program, which means some of the deliverables might change, right? 
if someone like we had, we had a program where we had these accountability calls and people weren't showing up and I was like, well, why do we spend our money time continuing to deliver it when it's clearly not a, a major value add for the customer? And we tried to like change some things up before immediately trashing it. And then once we determined, you know what, there's a different way for us to get them that accountability that we're looking for. And it doesn't require as many resources from us of like getting on these accountability calls every single week. So we trashed it. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. So being able to do that inside your business and look at each of those things through that, you know, really critical lens is going to be a game changer because now you're freeing up that time. So the second way that you can start freeing up time is what we call trim. So just like you get a haircut, we're just going to like trim (laughs) some things, right? Like we're not going to totally trash it. Maybe we've identified well, we still need to do this, but maybe we don't need to do as much of it, or we don't need to spend as much time on it because Parkinson's law is a law that states a task will expand or contract with the amount of time that we give it. So if we give ourselves unlimited amount of time to create webinar slides, it will probably take us a week or more to do it, right? We'll just keep, keep getting longer and longer. Versus if we give ourselves six hours to do those webinar slides, we will get them done in those six hours. So that's Parkinson's law, you know, telling us that we need to put constraints on ourselves. We need to trim the amount of time that we, that we are spending on certain activities. And sometimes that's just you putting boundaries on you. Other times that's you putting boundaries on a meeting, for example. Like if you have a 60 minute meeting, it will last all 60 minutes because people will find things to talk about. Uh, we will go off on tangents. We won't stay focused on the agenda. Like we'll, we'll fill the time. But if it's a 30 minute meeting for the same thing, you will yeah. actually you know, only spend those 30 minutes. So is there anything that you could be looking at in terms of your activities and start trimming things down? Because that will, again, free you up, give you more time back. And just, you don't need to be, like, I think that, you know, we often think like, oh, we just need to have the 60 minute meeting or we need to spend an hour with the client. It's like, I started actually doing the reverse when I was doing a lot of one-on-one. I'd be like, we have, you know, 15 minutes. What, what's the most important thing that you need to discuss? Right. Yeah. Because it will also help people like really laser in for themselves. So I think that anytime you can trim something and put those boundaries around yourself, I always do this hack for myself where if I really need to get something done, I'll leave my computer charger at home. Ooh, that's <laughs> a good like, hack. It's like Parkinson's law, <laughs> like very tangibly, right? Because you know how focused you are when that battery starts getting to like 13%. You're like, I'm not checking Facebook. I'm not looking at my, you know, my email. I'm like, I am getting this done before this I computer like dies. That. So if you have ever experienced that, you know that that is true, that you're way more focused when you actually give yourself a constraint or less time to start looking at those activities on the time tracking and seeing like, okay, maybe we can't trash it, but can we trim it? Can we cut it down? The third way that you can shift your time is by transferring it, right? So this is where you want to look at those activities and this is where it will be really important for you to be even more critical of each of those activities and really be asking yourself, is this something, number one, that the company needs to do? And if not, we're trashing it. And number two, is it something that I need to do, right? Like if we say, yes, it's something the company needs to do, really getting clear on, but is it something that I truly need to do? And there might be some attachment here in the beginning. You think you need to do everything. You think that no one else can do it as well as you, but that is absolutely keeping you bottlenecked, keeping you trapped inside of the business. And so the fourth T that we've come up with is treasure. 
And I think this one is helpful to identify the difference between what you should transfer and what you should keep for yourself, right? So treasure, like when you think about that word treasure, like there's, it's a pretty deep word, right? Like thinking about, wow, I really treasure this activity. Like this is something that I am best at. It's something that really the company treasures me doing because I'm the only one that can do this. There's a specific skill set or a strength, or I love doing it because you know, I'm really in my zone of genius here and I know that it provides a ton of value to the organization. So looking through and really identifying, is this something I really need to do uh, truly because it's something treasured or is it something that might seem hard to transfer, but I probably need to get it off my plate because it's not the best use of my time. So really understanding, and usually this is the thing, like the treasured activities, these are usually like what you your expertise or the thing that you got into the business in the first place for um, could be something related to sales if you're you know, or marketing if you're you know running your own business and that's really what you're best at but usually it's something related to your expertise that um, you know that's why you started the company uh, and now you're baby you're you're basically doing none of that anymore or you're doing very little of it and you're doing a lot of other things so if you can identify what do I truly treasure me doing because you also enjoy it? Um, but also what do I, what can I transfer because it's not something I treasure? And that's where we start getting into, um, if, if you already have the person on the team, then you can transfer it over to them. But this also might be a long game and you might not have them yet, but it's really important for you to even identify like, oh, this isn't something I really need to do. So when I start looking for an individual to support me, even if it's just a few hours a week, then these are some things that I could immediately transfer over to them, which will then free up my time to work more on those treasured activities. And anytime you're working on those treasured activities, it should be something that's adding value to the business. Like it's going to grow the business if you can spend more time there. I so love that you have this intentional addition of the treasure yeah. because I think it's, there's no right or wrong. It's about what feels in the most alignment for you. So mm -hmm. I feel, for example, with a lot of coaches or experts or people who are run done for you businesses, you know, they originally may have started, for example, as the graphic designer, but as they're scaling their business, they can't just be doing the graphic design work. Right. You know, you have to step into being the CEO of your business. But if you are choosing that actually continuing to do some of the client work is part of it that you treasure, then there's a trade-off, which is okay, but you've gone through that process of being really seeing that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I always tell people like, it's okay if you want to keep doing some of those things, but just realize what what the trade-off is and be aware of it versus like having these really big growth goals and false expectations about what's 100%. possible for you. And then you're disappointed in it. And it's like, no, just make the conscious choice. Like there's no, there's no right, wrong. It's just what's right for you. So make the conscious choice. And I always argue that the CEO, like the thing that you should treasure most is probably something related to the uh, strategy, the vision of leading the organization, right? Like that's something that really no one else is probably doing besides you on the team um, and no one else can really do on the team. Um, so making sure that that's also something that ends up on your time tracking for the future, future time tracking, if it's not happening now, that's something to be thinking about. But then yes, if you have activities that you like for, for the graphic design, design example, like if you love doing the graphic design, you can still keep some of that without keeping 
all of it as well just so that you can like play in that space and get that maybe you get creative energy from that right and that's actually really valuable to the vision of the organization or it helps you stay in touch with with what people want right like I don't do all of our coaching and consulting anymore but I like doing some of it because it helps me create new intellectual property actually Mm. helps me stay on the pulse of like what's new what's happening uh, what, what do I need to be like digging in critically thinking about, which helps me create more of that vision, that strategy and new intellectual property, which I couldn't do if I just wasn't talking to anyone, but I do it very minimally in terms of my, uh, like when I look at my work week, how much of that is made up by that specific treasured activity. Cause I do love it, but I can also get to a point where if I'm doing it all week long and all I have is a bunch of <laughs> I don't love it anymore. You know, it's it's not a, you know, 40 hour a week thing that I want to be doing. So that might also change as your business grows. And so being okay with that and, and keeping a pulse on what that feels like for you and then making the actionable shifts to get towards what you want. And I think the biggest thing that I'll mention as we talked about vision and things like that before there's a lot of lack of belief that this is even possible for people, right? So if you are thinking, there's no way I could design a business that runs without me. You know, when you talk about that Seth Godin quote and, you know, oh, there's no way I could run a real business then where it could operate without me. If that's your default way of thinking, then we've got to change that belief first. Otherwise, you're never going to take all these actions to get there because, you have to believe that this is possible for you. And there's no reason that it's not like we've done this for every single industry. (laughs) Like I promise it's possible regardless of what your niche is or what you do, you can do this. It does take time, but it is so worth it once you start seeing that progress. It's so true. And just even, and it's incremental. It doesn't have to be zero to a hundred straight away. It shouldn't be. (laughs) Yeah. Break your business. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And also just according to the life season that you're in, Mm -hmm. it it constantly changes. And like you said, some years you're all about growth. Some it's about consolidation. I'm exactly in the thick of that right now that Mm -hmm. I love coaching and I love, you know, we've now transitioned from the one-to-one to 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 one-to-many, but I'm really enjoying now stepping into the CEO role and having exactly what you said, more time to critically think about my business. So now I'm thinking, before I used to subscribe to, but I'm the only person that can coach. And I'm like, actually, I have a network of incredible experts that could be doing that. I don't have to touch every element of that coaching delivery at all. A hundred percent. And it does take time, right? But like, I don't touch every element of ours anymore at all. And just knowing that like, when, when my baby comes, like our clients will still be able to be supported. My team will still be able to be paid, right? I'll still be able to be paid, um, which sometimes doesn't happen when you're running your own business and you just have to put a pause on everything to be able to take the personal time that you need. And it's like, isn't that what you created the business for in the first place? And now that I'm having this baby, people are constantly asking me like, Oh, what are you going to (laughs) do? baby? Like, how are you going to work? What are you like? Aren't you stressed? I'm like, no, I'm not stressed at all. Like I literally, that's the point. I literally created this. I worked really hard for the past, you know, years or whatever to create the systems like clockwork to get us to a point where no, I don't work that much and I don't have to. And the business doesn't suffer because of that, you know, like, and I get to be really flexible and I get to make those choices. And if after the baby comes, I 
have a different choice that I want to make, I know exactly how to make those changes too. And I think that that's the freedom is like knowing that I can change any of it. But for this season of my life, just like for you, like, this is what I want. This is what I've created. And our clients can still be supported. Our revenue can still grow and the team is still able to operate without me. <laughs> oh, I love that. And it's a great segue then into how are you getting the right people in the right seats? How do we even know what the right seats are? And yeah, what are the systems that you have in terms of managing that side of things? Yeah. So I think that, you know, coming back to that time tracking again is like, it's our biggest data source throughout the entire work that we do with Clockwork. And so the first thing that I always do is like, we do time tracking every quarter inside of our business. But if I was also like, you know, feeling a need or feeling a gap inside the company, we would do another time tracking just as an entire team. If it's just you right now, just do a time tracking for yourself. Um, and identifying like, you know, all of those things that you marked transfer on, right? Like now we have this huge list of here's all the things that I could transfer. The things that we look for are what are the common strengths that might uh, be, you know, within all of these activities. So if we had 20 different activities on that list, maybe there's eight of them that kind of require really strong communication skills. And the other ones are maybe like a little bit more hodgepodge. So I might say, you know what, like that's going to get that, that's going to free me up the most right now is getting someone who has really strong communication skills. I, I care less about your like skill sets, for example, of like knowing a specific tool, like we can teach you a tool. I don't even care if you know the clockwork system, like we can teach you that, right? Like what I really care about is like, what are your natural innate strengths so that I know um, we can we can give you something that you're really great at and that comes really naturally to you. And you can learn how our business works once you start working with us. So that's always what I'm looking for first in terms of those gaps of like, is, is what is on my plate or what is on our team's plate that we maybe need to shift because it's not the highest value of their time. So just like I look at, you know, where is my time going and what is the highest use of my time and how can I get more of that on the table? I'm looking at that for, and my team members are looking at that for themselves as well, because the same rules apply, you know, if I have a team member and they're spending 60% of their time on administrative work, but I'm paying them $30 an hour to, you know, be a coach inside of our system. It's like, well, why am I paying you for something that isn't really the, your strongest skill set? And how can we start doing what we call like rebalancing those things off of your plate and onto someone else's? So I'm always looking at strengths first and then hiring based on those strengths. And then we have this like rebalancing principle where um, I'm, we're constantly doing the transfer, even on team members, every quarter when we do our time tracking, I'm looking and they're looking at like, here's the things that ended up on my plate that really aren't within my strength, you know, skill set. Like I'm happy to keep doing them, but just for your awareness, here's a, a future gap that we might have, or here's an opportunity for us to create a cost savings by getting some administrative support or getting someone in who's better with customers, right? Like there's a very specific skill set of like working with customers and in the inbox versus uh, I'm horrible at that. Right. So I know that like, that's not where I should be spending my time. It's not my, it's not one of my strengths. And so identifying where those gaps are and then filling those gaps based on strengths. I think that the thing that I see the most um, that people do wrong is just like giving a very generic, like I need someone to do everything. I need them to do all these things and they need to know these specific tools. 
but not really hiring for the the strengths or like the characteristics or the person who do they need to be as a person to really be able to do this well and to work on your team well and you will just have much better results and much more retention if you can hire um, for the gaps based on that, I think. And I don't think that that's, you know, typically done well because we're usually hiring too late and we're just trying to get someone who can yeah. like, do everything. It's 100%. Like- that was one of my biggest takeovers, um, takeovers, um, takeaways when I read the mm-hmm. book was that I felt like I was doing that. It was like, this is a role. You're good at this, 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 this isn't quite great, but that is like, the traditional job description yeah. as opposed to being no they can do this and what does a business actually need they can kind of you can pick and choose these different elements according to the person but so long okay. as you the person is aligned and also it feeds back into what we've been saying is that when you have systems for the way that you do things it becomes easy to teach how your business does that specific thing totally and even if you don't have those yet by hiring them and trying to teach it, you will you will realize you actually do have a system or you have some way, or you'll be able to relinquish con- a little bit of control and, and just you know communicate to them, hey, we don't really have a set system, but here's the outcome I would love to, to happen in this role. You have the freedom and the ability to create that system. So mm. go ahead and do that as part of your role. Because I think that we wait too long to hire people because we feel like we don't have all the systems set up in that role yet. Um, and that's never stopped me. And <laughs> and I think that that is what helps us kind of get the right support um, before it feels too late, before we feel really stretched thin. Is like I have no. I'm not worried about what people think of me if I don't have the system ready yet. So like our, the first hire that I made for Run Like Clockwork, I also communicated to her. I'm like, you're also going to be creating your own onboarding system because we don't have one yet. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> who better? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're closest to it right now. So you're the perfect person to tell me what would be helpful for you as you get onboarded. Like, what do you need? What should the system be? And then every time we have someone new come on board, we improve that system yet again. So even though that was like a question that I was asking in the beginning because I needed a system and we didn't have one. It's something that has become part of our own process because it helps us improve the system that we now currently do have. So I would say don't wait because I think that can become a crutch of like, oh, I don't have the system there. So we can't (laughs) hire that person. It's like, no, then they're, they're meant to help you develop that system. And you can even write that into the job description. You will be responsible for developing the system. Are you comfortable with that? Right? Like making sure that they're the type of person that can support you and help you do that. And if that's important to you, I would write that in the job description. And the other thing is we don't, we don't put um, like normal job titles on our job descriptions or when we hire, because I don't really believe in, in titles, especially once we do this like melding and molding of, you know, sometimes different departments that have, you know, the same strengths. It doesn't really make sense. And it will also help you write that job description more clearly when you don't have a title to fall back on of like, here's the typical tasks that an administrative assistant does. So I'm just going to put those in there. Well, Mm. no, like remove the idea that there's a title for this and just write what you actually need them to do. (laughs) And that will force you to be a little bit more clear, I think, in, in who you really need versus just falling back on a traditional 
you know, corporate title that someone posted on the internet. I love that. And I'm stealing that because I'm in that process right now. Yeah. And I, lo- I love what you're saying, because I think so much of it is about taking the drama, the mental drama that comes up when it comes to thinking about systems. Yeah. I always say to my clients, you're doing a task, just record your screen and yes. you're doing it and explaining what you're doing. Even if you don't have that team member, because there you've just saved it in your Dropbox, wherever you mm-hmm. save your, your processes and it's there. No, and like you right. said, bring somebody, somebody's on, they can be building that processes. And that's why I love so much about, um, you know, in the online world space, everybody's talking about this integrator role where, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing something new, you pass it on to your integrator to figure it out. They create an SOP, which just means standard operating procedure. And then they can have somebody else that they can now come in that now executes on that. So they mm-hmm. are just kind of working hand in hand with the visionary to create these systems and then delegate that onto somebody else who now owns that. Yeah. And we always like to kind of take that and say, I don't, I think that the integrator is like a really incredible concept for people to distinguish themselves as a visionary versus like, you know, the implementer or the integrator. But I like for everyone on my team to be an integrator. So I'm like, you don't need just one. You need everyone to be that person, especially on a small team. Everyone needs to understand how to take what you're saying and turn it into action and uh, a system and, and everyone needs to be able to pull that, you know, systemization type of weight. They don't have to be a systems thinking person, just, you know, they might be more creative by nature, but like the way that we describe systems in clockwork is like, it's very straightforward. It's super simple, but every, like everyone being able to do that will make this process go so much faster and they'll take more ownership over their role, especially once you start getting to a point where, you know, this isn't just about you as the the CEO, but also in the future, like maybe your team member wants to take a vacation. And with a small team, you know, if, they, if everything is dependent on them in that role and no one else can do it when they're gone for a week, then, then they're also ch- checking in while they're on vacation or yeah. they're stressing about it while they're on vacation. And it's like, that's not enjoyable for them either. And so by having the systems, like they can also take a step away from the business and get the, you know, get the recouping time that they need just as you need it as the CEO. And I think that, you know, if if we want to grow teams that love working with us and that want to stay with us for a long time, then we need to give them that rest and refresh time so that they're not checking in on the business while they're gone either. I think that's such an important point because we forget that it's as important for our teams to feel that way as it is for the founder. And that's what I love so much in the book when you use the queen bee analogy, I really took that to heart into my business because especially when you have contractors, it can be challenging for people to have real buy-in to the vision Mm. of the company because the way that it works very often, they're just responsible for executing on this thing, but very often it's in a vacuum. So for me now thinking about it as the queen bee and then having like rocks and making sure that each team member, whether they're uh, a, a team member or a contractor they know how their role feeds into serving the queen yes. bee it completely changed the level of ownership that people had about the work they were doing because they knew how it fitted into the bigger picture just for anyone who hasn't read the book can you just explain how that all works yes yeah, so the queen bee role is our uh kind of like our, our most important efficiency tool inside of the clockwork system but essentially the queen bee role inside of a inside of a bee colony like bees are the most efficient organizations on the 
planet. So when we were writing the book, we were looking for like, how do we apply this to businesses, right? Like, and what the bees are doing is that they're, the queen bee role is serving one most important activity. There is one most important activity that that role does that is more important than anything else that is happening in the hive. There are absolutely other things happening in a hive, but if we have limited resources, if we have to make a decision, then we know that the queen bee role is the thing that we need to protect and serve first. And the queen bee's role is the laying of the eggs. So that is the most important thing that is happening is the most important activity inside of a bee colony. And it helps them be even more efficient with their resources and with their decision-making. And like you're saying, it gives every bee more autonomy and ownership because there are other roles that are being played inside of that colony. So for example, there are nurse bees and there are bees that go out and get food and collect pollen. And there are bees that are responsible for cleaning out this, you know, the cells of the hive. But the most important role is the laying of the eggs, because without that, none of those other jobs actually matter. They are redundant if, if the queen bee role isn't actually happening. And all of the bees know and understand this, and it doesn't make them any less important. It just helps them understand what they need to protect first. So if they were operating off of limited resources and they, you know, couldn't, for example, go and get the food and lay the eggs, what they would do is they would stop going and getting food. And, and they've done this for like, they will do this for like multiple days if they need to, uh, just to make sure that the queen is protected. So there was an article about like a, a queen bee who got stuck on a car and 20,000 bees followed her for three days wow. to protect her and to bring her back to the colony. So that was obviously like all other jobs <laughs> got ignored, right? To go and, and, and get the queen bee and protect and, and serve and make sure that she could come back and do her role. So we talk about it as a role because it's not necessarily the individual because the queen bee, if she gets sick or if for some reason she can no longer perform that activity, the laying of the eggs, she will actually either kill herself or the other bees will kill her and they will spawn a new queen because they need someone in that role of the laying of the eggs. And they all understand this, that it's not a personal thing. It's just, <laughs> hey, this is the most important activity for our survival. Yeah. Um, so we, we talk about it as a role instead of the individual, because especially when people have personal brands or they're coaching, consulting, they often think that they are the queen bee. It's like, well, you are in other capacities. But um, when we talk about the queen bee role, we want to identify like, what is your most important activity for the business? Not you as an individual, but the business as a whole in order to survive and not just survive, but actually thrive within your marketplace. So we always tell people, Think about what your big promise is to your customer and then think about how do you actually deliver that? What is the how? What is the most, the one most important how? And that is probably your queen bee role because the queen bee role is an activity that you do. Yeah. So when you're talking about it, right? Like thinking about how do we identify what our queen bee role is for our organization, that singular activity that we do, and then how does every role contribute to the protection and service of it. So for some people on the team, they might be directly serving it. They might be the ones that are, you know, in the B example, they might be the laying of the eggs. Um, whereas others are protecting um, the queen bee role from, you know, doing other things so that she can lay the eggs all day long. Right. So it's like, yeah, 
be serving it in a different capacity that doesn't directly touch it, but you're still in service of it. And that is what drives the vision forward. That's what helps us meet our promise to our customers. So figuring out what is your queen bee role for your organization and then having the team, you know, really have a discussion and talk about and think about how do I, you know, relate to that and what is my role in protecting and serving that first and foremost. Okay, because I know everyone's going to be like, yes, this is so good. And then they're going to be like, ah, what is my queen bee? So could you give us an example? So just for, t- for a service and a product. So service being an expert-based business, um, whether you're a speaker, you're, a, you're just an expert and you sell that as a service. And then someone who creates products. So for example, a textile designer. Yeah. So it's going to be totally different based on what your big promise is. Right. So I I know that sometimes people think like, Oh, if I'm a, um, if I'm a personal brand or a consultant, then it's going to be my, you know, delivery, but what we've found, or it's going to be my coaching, for example. Mm -hmm. But what we found out is like sometimes, um, and and maybe it is your coaching, but maybe it can be done by other people. So we had a client Mm. where her, you know, her big promise is something related to she does launch she helps people like do their launches inside of their organizations and um so she has a a couple different products one being a membership site specifically which is her biggest product but the the big promise is helping them launch more successfully with more like fun involved and fun inside of that launch so the, the how I always ask like, okay, well, how do you do that? How do you deliver on that? How do you make sure that they're having a fun, easy and results filled launch? Like if that's your promise to them, how do you actually do that? And Mm. there's a number of things that they do, but the most important thing was the coaching. So she has like personalized frameworks that she gives them They get like a launch plan. And I was like, but is like, if, if you just gave them that, would they have an easy, fun results driven launch? And she's like, no, I was like, okay. (laughs) So yes, it might be important, but it's not the most important thing. It's what's the most important thing. And it's the coaching, right? Because that's where she helps yeah. them manage all of their launch emotions and like have more fun with it. And, and even if they didn't have the plan, she could still help them course correct in that coaching session and help them, you know, get the better results uh, that they need. And so that's what it was, was the, was the coaching that they provide. Yeah. But it was really helpful for her to realize, oh, it doesn't have to be me doing the coaching, but that's something we have to protect and serve because it's actually what delivers really well on our big promise. So- okay. That has illustrated it perfectly. I think that is great. Yeah. God, it's making me now want to, just to stop recalibrating <laughs> what I thought my queen bee was. It's so, and again, this is what's so great when you start to get people in the right seats is that as the CEO, you actually get to do this work. Yeah. And that's something that like, once you identify that queen bee role, it will also help you identify um, who you might need to hire in, ter- in the future, right? Because for her, she was like, oh, I thought I had to do all of that forever. But realizing once we get it more clearly defined as a role and what it means to serve that role, um, it's much easier to transfer. Because mm. when, you, when you think about it as you as an individual, then you kind of write off all the reasons or you kind of, you know, give yourself all the reasons that no one else can do this because it's you, it's the individual, it's the queen bee. But it's like, no, it's the queen bee role. It's the laying of the eggs and someone else can absolutely lay the eggs. Someone else can absolutely do the coaching. We just have to define a little bit more clearly what's happening during that coaching and what type of strengths 
that person might need to have. And so it will help you refine the hiring process even more. Even if you're not ready to hire that person now, it will yeah. give you more pl future planning for like in my vision, I have someone else doing this and maybe that's something we want to do six months from now. But now you're already starting to gather like, who is that person? What, who do they need to be? How can I develop that framework for them so that I know the queen bee role is ser being served really effectively once I do transfer it to someone else? Oh, I'm so geeking out on all of this. I love, <laughs> I love it. Is there, we've covered so much already, but just as we wrap up, and especially because people are listening to this at the end of the year, are there any things that we haven't discussed that people should just be thinking of as they're doing a kind of, um, recap of 2019 and are starting to get really intentional about what they want their 2020 to look like? Mm. I mean, we've talked about a lot and I think that the most important thing that I want people to do is really take that inventory of their time. And then as you think about 2020, as you think about like, what do you want for the future? Don't create attachments to what you've had in the past, right? Because mm. I think that it can be easy to say, well, this is what we've done in 2019. So let's just keep doing that. And that might be true for some things that number one are working well and number two, you enjoy and you want to continue them, but really be thinking about like, what is the desire? What do you, what do you want for yourself? What is, what is the current plan allow you in terms of your flexibility and suspend some disbelief? My mentor always told me that he said, suspend disbelief, right? Which is what we all need because we're all in disbelief that that could actually be possible for us. But I think getting really clear removing attachment to the current things inside the business and starting to create that vision, even from scratch. I always like to just start from scratch for 2020 so that you can see what really comes through and then start designing it, starting designing the business from there and looking at your time tracking and saying, okay, if this is what I really want to happen by the end of 2020, and this is where my time is going now, what do we need to trash? What do we need to trim? What do I need to transfer? What do I really treasure, right? Like, how do I start moving towards this? Like we talked about incrementally, not overnight, but being, you know, patient and graceful with yourself as you make those, those shifts, because it is worth it. And you are worth it to start making those shifts to get there, but like really releasing anything that you've been attached to because you think you should keep it or you know, someone else told you this is the fastest way to do something, like just remove all of those thoughts and think about what you truly desire for yourself and for your customers um, and start creating that because that's the only thing that's going to give you the, the real freedom that you want anyways. So otherwise exactly. you just trap yourself into something else. <laughs> and with that time tracking also, I think everyone will be able to walk away having clarity on that, that 80, 20 rule, you know, yes. that, you know, 20% of your activities gives 80% of your results. And I see even with my clients, they're like, maybe I get, I get it, but I, I still, I don't know, like what are the things that I should be focusing on every day? And I think seeing tracking it and seeing it laid out and actually having your numbers there and seeing, yeah, if you only had a finite amount of time, what are the things that actually move the needle? What are the things that actually move the bottom line? Yeah. Take an inventory like that will make that a lot clearer to see. Yeah, we didn't like specifically talk about a ton of metrics, but number one, this time tracking is a number one metric for you to be looking at. And then, you know, go like you're speaking of, like going that layer deeper and really looking at your products and your programs and understanding how much they cost you to deliver mm. and you know not just you know how much you spent on 
advertising, but how much did it cost you in team time or in your own time to deliver? And, and is it really as profitable as you think it is? And what are the things <laughs> that are most profitable and how could we shift more resources to those, right? So I'd say the thing that has helped me like really streamline my own time and clockwork our own business it's really being laser focused on the one to two things that get our clients results and not being distracted by tons of new ideas that we have all the time. Because like we all have new ideas, but it's like really what is the most important thing for us to deliver and how can we just continue to pour more resources into that first? So that I think is for me, I have, I have like a three phase vision for our company um, and phasing out the vision has been helpful for me because right now I'm in phase one and I can have ideas and I, and a lot of other people will give me their input and ideas. Like if you're in a mastermind, or if you have <laughs> friends that want to tell you all your, their ideas for your business, like, I'm like, don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm not thinking about that. It's just that I'm thinking about that after I complete phase one. So like, sure, keep giving me your ideas, but I know where to place them. Right. And that helps me stay really focused on like, what do we need to achieve in phase one before I'd even consider moving on to phase two. So that has helped me like really stay focused and not um, get that shiny object syndrome, even with my own business in terms of the ideas and execution of those. Um, so that's helpful for people too. So do you have it as a metric in your mind? Because even with this concept, there's so much that you can do. I know you do workshops, you have... Okay you know how do you decide whether one vertical is at a at a stage where somebody else can own it and you can now go on to the next thing yeah so for me it's a couple of things number one yes there is a monetary like how I know that our product is um like really doing well in the marketplace and then it's like sustainable in terms of lead generation and conversion without me so that's number one, like how can we make sure that it's like running like clockwork um, so that I can step away from it, the team can support it, and, the, and we have the systems that continue to support it without me, being, without me having to step in, as well as we've like proven that product is the one that helps get people the results. And we have that product now, but yeah. I'm looking for a specific, um, you know, like monetary milestone, but more than anything, I'm looking for um, in our business, like, can it fully run without me yeah. and with the current team, um, at that continued level of excellence. So we have like some metrics on the back end of our, so not just sales. I'm not just looking for like revenue. I'm looking for, do, do we deliver on our promise? Like how many yes. people are we getting to their four week vacation? Right. Cause that's more important to me than even the number of sales we get. I love that. That's the promise. Yeah. Yeah then it's not actually working, right? So I have like those numbers on the back end. So yes, sales and conversion is important, but also um, retention in inside of our system in terms of making sure we get them all the way there, what percent of people are doing that and can we maintain that? And once we can maintain that, then I can move on to phase two, which would you know require a whole new set of resources that I can't really be in the day-to-day -day of phase one, right? So I need to be able to think beyond that. Um, but right now I don't have the capacity, nor does the team have the capacity to do that. And we would just be spreading ourselves thin um, mm -hmm. to try to do that. And I don't think that we could deliver what we deliver with excellence um, if, we, if we just moved on and got bored. You know what I mean? I think it's like, yeah, you get bored in your own business sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to create the fun within what you're already delivering and within what you know 
gets your customers results. So like, how could we just have more fun with that and get creative with that and innovative with that versus uh, creating something new? Adrienne, this is so good. And I'm so pleased that I, I asked you that question as before we wrapped up, because I think there is that tendency at the start of the year when you're planning the next year to be like, I'm going to launch this. I'm going to oh, launch yeah. this. And we start having all <laughs> these crazy ideas when we actually haven't really proven the thing that we've just launched yesterday. Totally. And I, I get, I can get shiny pennies. Oh, I can get that too. That's why it's been, that's why I shared the three phase vision because that's been a tool for me personally, like even in my own mind that helps me like no, no, Adrian, like you can write down, like, yeah, write down your ideas for that. But like, you got to come back to this, right. And you really got to master this and you got to be challenging your team to continue to master this. And what are they doing every single week to improve this, right. Whether that's that four week vacation or the sales related to it. But I think having that metric related to how are you actually getting people results and how can you get them even, how can you make it even bigger and better in terms of their results and improve that like that should be the challenge that you're focused on because that will help you grow in the marketplace much more quickly than any sales or marketing tactic that someone's going to teach you amen okay everyone's going to be like how can i continue to learn from her because already my mind is being blown what how can people continue to learn and engage with all of this amazing content that you guys are producing yeah, everything that we do can be found on runlikeclockwork.com. So that's the hub. That's the best place to go. We have a podcast that you can also listen to that, you know, I kind of talk about and ramble about these things every week. Um, so if you're already a podcast listener, you can just search Run Like Clockwork and that'll get you to the podcast. But going to the website, we have free resources, we have programs. And then um, I spend most of my like social media time on Instagram. So if you want to find me there and see some dog and baby pictures, <laughs> I'm just at Adrian Dorison. And then our company is at RL Clockwork. But go to the website, runlikeclockwork.com, and you'll find it all. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adrian. Thank you for having me. This is great. So that's it for this week's episode of the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. You can download more episodes of this podcast and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love a review or recommendation. It's the number one way for us to share these stories and insights with as many creative female entrepreneurs as possible. And don't forget, all the information on how to join the TLE community is in the show notes or simply head to thelifestyleedit.com to sign up.